Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversation with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, what up? Welcome in. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is all ball. Thought I could bring uh, you a conversation uh, in regards to game one of the NBA finals and kind of a bigger picture topic of the NBA and Jokic and how he's viewed by bringing a good friend in. His name's Andy Glockner. He's written a book called Chasing Perfection, and uh, it's been available actually for the last seven years. But it was really kind of ahead of the curve in terms of players, teams, understanding analytics, understanding data, understanding how to change their bodies and their games. And I think a lot of it was forecasting and foreshadowing what we see with the Nuggets, what we see in the NBA today. He's also a former editor at ESPN.com. That's where we struck up a friendship. He's a former college athlete as well. So I thought you'd enjoy this conversation in regards to game one where the Denver Nuggets uh, really kept the Miami Heat at arm's distance. Neither team shot the ball particularly well, especially Miami. And the Nuggets are up one game to none. Let's catch up with Andy Glockner. Andy, your, your book is, it's seven years old, okay? But I I was watching last night, and obviously you living in Denver made me partially think of it. But it was, I, I don't know, I, I really feel like it's one of those, hey, while you're watching this, if you're a, um, an auto, an audible guy, or what is it? Audio guy. Is it audible? Audible, right? Where you can listen to the book on tape. Um, yep. I, or if you want to pick up a book, like it's honestly kind of timeless and really fits it for people who haven't read or heard of chasing perfection. Uh, give me the, you know, give me the quick uh, bio on it. Uh, it basically was a, a book that looked into how um, mostly NBA players made themselves into their best version of themselves. So whether it was analytics, uh, shot charts, uh, skill coaches, uh, physical training, all that type of stuff. So they were perfecting themselves in the best way possible as the sport itself obviously was going through an evolution that you're referring to. And now if you go back seven years, there's still a lot of stuff in that book that is relevant you know, beyond even the players, you know, James Harden, Steph Curry, a lot of guys still having influence. But combine that with books written by industry colleagues like Mike Prada and Seth Partnow about the evolution of the sport and how different it is. I think we saw a lot of that last night in game one, and we've seen a lot of it in the playoffs specifically from this Denver team. Completely agree. And that's what that's what made me like I'm watching that and I'm like, dude, it, it, I love I love people who have the foresight to see things evolving and are able to, I don't want to say predict the future, but at the time you were talking about an evol personal evolution for players and the evolving game. And it kind of was all coming to fruition. And, you know, it's interesting, like 
you see parts of the old NBA, like LeBron, and, and he's tried to evolve some, but and when I say old NBA, holding the ball at the top of the key, waiting for an ISO or on the side, posting up, you know, for the, like it, the stuff we grew up kind of watching at times. And then you see other teams, you know, and how they play, or even Boston and how they played against Miami zone, which is a very kind of rudimentary, hey, attack the zone. You know, teams have played zone for a long time in the NBA, um, even before the rules changed. But it was very much an isocentric, you know, come off a ball screen and make a play sort of thing, as opposed to, I, I like to call it kind of the European influence, which is you have all mm-hmm. this kind of like smoke and mirrors movement into attacking. And then now you have Denver, who we've seen point centers before, right? The, the kings of the late 90s and early 2000s with Vlade and Chris Weber, two incredible passers. Right. Mm-hmm. But the, you know, and, and Arvita Sabonis and we've seen others, but it's their, their, their movement and how they use him and where they use him. That's really creative. And it's a, it's just a different way of the same task. And it's, I don't know, it's just interesting to me. Yeah. I mean, Jokic specifically, everybody's sort of colloquially calls him a cheat code. I mean, that's the easiest way to refer to right. him, but he's, he's literally a cheat code. I mean, you know, you mentioned Boston and why Miami's zone specifically impacted Boston and it did not in any way in in, uh, in game one. Well, I mean, they had a couple of clunky possessions in the fourth quarter, but generally speaking, de- de- yeah, Denver found shots against the zone. And it's largely because there's nothing you can do with Jokic. And even if you find something to do with Jokic and collapse on that space where he's going to sit at the top, you know, 12 feet from the rim, dead center, uh, there's not a lot you can do about Jamal Murray the way he's playing right now either. And when you combine the two of them, I think somebody said last night, and this is more broadly, um, Jokic and Murray are sort of Stockton and Malone, except either guy could be Stockton or Malone in the two-man game. And that's what makes them ridiculous. The continuity, the playing together for seven years, but the transferability of their skills because Jokic is so non-traditional as a big, but still has the center size and strength and bulk, but he's got the Magic Johnson-like passing and vision and game processing. I'm not sure what you're supposed to do with it. And and frankly, I don't think Miami has any ability to do anything with him. No, and I thought, and, and, and really they didn't shoot Neither team shot well from three, but, I mean, Denver didn't shoot well from three, wins the game and fairly handily, you know. Um, I, I do think yeah. Miami will settle down some, but, um, you know, I, I also think there's a certain water you – know, there's a certain, like, point where you top out. It's like, man, how do we yeah. miss on all these guys, undrafted guys? And then you're like, oh, well, you know, you, you do – when you play against legit dudes – uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, it's a uh, undrafted for a reason. And th- this might right, be the reason. Like I get yeah. it. And yeah. Yeah. once you make yeah. it to the NBA, but I mean, like, you know, and Gabe Vincent was, it was, was fine last night. He wasn't the, the worst culprit, but like you throw too many of those dudes out there and um, yeah, it, 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 ultimately you get exposed. So help me out with Denver because You've seen the growth and the progression. Um, it felt like they were knocking on the door in the bubble. Was it merely a mm-hmm. case of Jamal Murray and his health, or was there another inhibiting factor that hadn't allowed them to to take this step previously? 
Well, I mean, I, I think you recall after they traded for Aaron Gordon at the deadline in 2021, really maybe the last great NBA trade heist. <laughs> because now the price of any good player is like four first round picks and whatever, you know, Denver flipped like Gary Harris in a first and got Aaron Gordon, who's ended up being the consummate glue guy. I mean, you followed his journey. I, I just as an aside, I think Aaron Jordan's evolution as an NBA player is a really fascinating story. I would, I would agree. Right. He went from, he went from all yeah, your- top five NBA pick, all the hype had quote, his own franchise in Orlando and stagnated there. You know, in part because Orlando was not run particularly well for a number of years. And he's finally said, you know what? I just want to win. I'm cool with this. I'm going to be the glue guy. I'm going to be the defensive stopper. I'm going to be the guy who plays high-low with Jokic because he makes everything so easy and all I get is dunks. And I just think that's really unusual. So kudos to him. But to, to your broader question, after they traded for Aaron Gordon, I think they ripped off eight straight wins. And then they lost the game to Boston and then the game where Murray got hurt. We saw a 10-game sample with what this team could look like that was devastating offensively. And I think that's what people missed in the last two years because most, most people just focus on the postseason. Murray was not available. Two years ago, Will Barton was also hurt, so they had no guards when they got lit up by Phoenix. And then last year, they lost to the champs in five when they didn't have MPJ or Murray. And everybody is taking the conclusion that Denver was fraudulent and Jokic couldn't, quote, do it in the playoffs when they had no, they had no perimeter players. So now they have their team back this year and they're smoking everybody and everybody's looking for an excuse as to why this isn't real. And it's real, real, man. Denver's offense is unstoppable with all these guys healthy. And that's why I thought going into the series that Miami had very little chance here. You know, last series, you heard all this Laker mystique stuff, right? And when you pull the Laker mystique away, you saw Jokic busting AD's butt back and forth up and down the court in transition. Um, you saw, you know, LeBron is 38, 39 years old, whatever it is. And suddenly, you know, there were four competitive games, but Denver swept them. And then everybody's looking at Miami and this, you know, this, this, sauce, this uh, sorcery that they've had with the shooting in the playoffs against Milwaukee and Boston and saying like, well, why can't it continue? Well, it, it might not continue because Denver's huge and Miami can't get a stop defensively against them. You know, sometimes the truth just outweighs the, the narrative. And I think people have just been really woefully behind the narrative on this Denver team when they were fully healthy. Great point. Um, the Aaron Gordon personal evolution is really interesting. And it's, it's one of those things to where you do wish, like people forget, okay? So even go back to Lakers series, could make a shot. You know, in many ways, they kind of dared him in several of the games. But when they needed him in game four, and, and we can say what we want about, hey, they were up three games to none. They, they needed to win that game. Just – you know, you got to got to put those guys away. They only played seven guys in that game. So Mike Malone knew like that was an important game. You don't want to let LeBron and those guys hang around, let the refs get a couple calls here or there, call you a game or or get an injury or fatigue, you know, fatigue Jokic any more than you need to. But he he made three big ones. But yeah. it, it it had to be really, really hard. Like think about if you're Aaron Gordon. Right? You have all the financial success in the world. You win a dunk contest. Like you said, you have your own and then you're, you have your own franchise. And then like now you're really a role player. Okay. It's an important role, but you're a role player. And that role is playing off of two other guys. And hey, we'll, we'll come to you when yep. we need you. Like the, I don't know if anybody understands the change you have to make in your mentality. And for Aaron Gordon, you do that in your late 20s. 
when you're in, you know, I'm since he was 14, he's always been the best player on every team he's played on. Like that's a really interesting yep. personal transformation. Yep. Michael Porter Jr. Same story. Coming off injury. All the, I would, I would, the only thing I'd say about Michael Porter Jr. is he played so little for a couple of years and because he's young yep. and he hadn't played in the NBA, like it's different if you in high school, you're the best player. Right. But Aaron Gordon was the best player in his high school oh, yeah, team, yeah, best yeah. player in his AU team, best player in his college team. And he was immediately given, you know, the ball to be the best player when he got to Orlando. Right. You know, Porter, yeah. I think yep. his careers worked in kind of a different way in which he's going to be able in future years, hopefully to expand his game. Whereas now he's just, hey, if you're open, shoot it. <laughs> right? That's and, yeah. and sometimes even when you're yeah, not yeah. open, shoot it. And then if you slash to the basket, you get a dunk. Well, because he's 6'10". I mean, nobody right. gets in his sight line. You know, it's like, it doesn't matter if the guy's standing right there. He just shoots right over the top of him. You know, I, I would say that the MPJ, MPJ point, um, do you remember the, in the bubble, right? And they were down, you know, 3-1 and badly against Utah and then won that series and then 3-1 down against the Clippers and didn't look great and then came back and won that series. Some of MPJ's quotes in that in, in the bubble there were of the variety of like, hey, they need to get me the ball more. You know, I need to be on the floor more. And he wasn't wrong, but that was like, ooh, that's a little jarring. You know, your team's kind of struggling and you're kind of like the me first guy. And he believed in his talent, you know. And fast fast forward three seasons now, and he is, every quote is, I just want to win. I'm totally cool with my role. If the coach wants to close with, uh, with Bruce, I'm good with that. I just want to win a title. So I think his maturity, and, and he has expanded his game a little bit. He's been a little bit more putting the ball on the deck. Obviously, defensively, he's vastly improved. You saw that in last night's game. Doesn't give up when he's beaten off the dribble, a couple of blocks from behind, just competing harder. So it's just been really impressive because I think, you know, you know this, especially at the NBA level, it doesn't organically settle itself most of the time, right? There are guys that are like, look, man, I want to be the guy or I'm the number two scorer or whatever it may be. And this team cl- very clearly has settled into it's Jokic and Murray. And then everybody else chips in behind that. And they seem happy, at least at this point, in part, frankly, because Gordon and, and MPJ also got big contracts and that helps. They got their money, right? So this is not compromising their cash. It's just uh, they have found something very special in this team and they're three, uh, three wins away from accomplishing what a lot of people didn't think they could. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. 
if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I, there's, a, there's a bunch there. I would say two parts to it, and it both comes back to Jokic, okay, is my, my defense of uh, Steve Nash winning the MVPs. Okay? And this is because this was a, you know, it was a topic that really Kendrick Perkins brought up. He brought it up in regards to race. I, I, I think that was, that was just, that's like incredibly low-hanging fruit and kind of, I uh, just uh, a low basketball IQ talk to be completely honest, because what it's really more about is, um, is how is, is what makes a great player, right. And a great, and, and, and different positions and different styles of doing the same thing, which I, what surprised me about it is look, Kendrick Perkins was never a great NBA player, but he was a valuable one, especially to the Celtics because he fit into a specific role and need, right? He allowed he allowed KG to play the four. He was super physical. There he was the enforcer. Like that's a specific role. And my defense of Steve Nash winning back-to-back MVPs was: if you look at those teams, not only did they win a ton, they won a lot more than their their talent would tell you. And every player around Steve Nash had career years. I right? had career years. Mm-hmm. And I would say the same thing with Jokic. There's two things. Um, there's an expression, I don't know if you heard it, you are who your best player is. Right? And so it yeah. should not be surprising that all of these guys have sacrificed their ego. Yeah, getting paid helps, especially when you're Michael Porter Jr. and you've barely been healthy. You know, to get that paycheck, I'm sure, helps rest you. But when your best player is crazy unselfish, Right. And and enjoys passing the ball. And oh, yeah, by the way, it's not really a spotlight guy. Right. Like LeBron can be unselfish, mm-hmm. but loves the spotlight. Like he likes making the assist. Jokic literally doesn't care. You know, just doesn't care. Um, but also, like, let's be honest, Jokic, not great defensively. And they're not great defensively. Like everything that Jokic is, the rest of that team is as well uh, in 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 their own way. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. personality. Okay. Yeah. So there's mm-hmm. that. And then yeah. there's the, yeah. as you're pointing out, and I don't think Aaron Gordon's having a career year compared to his time in Orlando, right? Volume of touches. But generally, all those guys are performing like Bruce Brown. Like, well, why is Bruce Brown so much better now than he was in previous years? Well, duh, that's that's what great players do, right? They elevate everybody yeah. around. That's a true, that's that's why Carmelo was never a a truly great player. He was a great scorer. He did not make everybody else around him better. And Jokic does. <laughs> now you're pan- now you're pandering to me as somebody that that you know enjoys the Nuggets and is a longtime Knicks. Supporter. Am I right? Or am I, am I, am I, am I right? Or am I wrong about the Carmelo? podcast on, on Carmelo? Uh, you're you are not wrong about Carmelo, right. in my opinion. Um, yeah, a couple things about that. The one stat that I floated a bunch this season to try to explain Jokic was that Jokic shot sixty three percent from the field this year. And his teammates off of passes from Jokic shot 61% off those passes. That's the best way to summarize Jokic, which is, A, it's unstoppable. 
And B, he doesn't care. He just wants to make the best play at every time. He's he's almost an un you know a, a hesitant or uncomfortable scorer, even though he's making five out of every eight shots he takes. And it spreads to the team. So you look at you mentioned Aaron Gordon last night. What were the first six minutes of that game? It was Aaron Gordon dunking over Gabe Vincent because he's like you know five inches and you know sixty pounds lighter than he is you know three feet from the rim. And Aaron Gordon has understood that. He's like Jokic makes the game ridiculously easy, and I love it. And, and that's sort of the theme of this Nuggets team is, as you said, they all feed off Jokic. I think I don't want to get involved in, in, in uh, litigating the, the perk discussion per se. I do want to say that, like, look, I'm a, I'm a middle-aged white guy. My perspective may be very different from guys who played in the league and guys who grew up in different cultures. And I'm always willing to listen to different perspectives, even if I disagreed with it. I do think, generally speaking, though, and you hear this on every telecast, right? You hear like, wow, Jokic just looks like a big doughy guy. He has no muscle tone. He looks like a big lumbering dude. He can't jump. We are so obsessed with what dominance is supposed to look like that we disregard what it is. And I think that's a really interesting conversation topic, not just about Jokic, but you know, Luka guys Duncan. in the NBA that Luka do Duncan. not... Yeah, do not flash traditional athleticism. Well, I mean, here, maybe the, you, you it, put a James Harden in that mix, you know, and guys that just kill it because they're smart and they have great footwork and they have incredible touch and great dexterity. And yeah, he can't jump over a phone book. Who cares? He's given you 30, 13, and it, 10 it's really, in the playoffs. It, it, that, that's the conversation, right? Because here, here's, I have two other guys. And they're all-time great players, and they're also not white. Magic Johnson was not a great athlete, right? Like, not not in the not no. in the traditional no. as we're discussing. Like he wasn't, sense. yeah. And, and and he wasn't. He made himself into a great free throw shooter, and then at, at at some points in his career, he became a a good three point shooter. But he was mm-hmm. he was he was not a great. He did not have great lateral quickness. He did not jump high. Right, he was a great basketball player. Paul Pierce, right? Paul Pierce is that it was a great basketball player, not a great athlete in the tra- like you said in the traditional sense. Larry Bird, Luka Doncic, uh, Steve Nash. Um, it, it's really and I would even I would even say this like I know I, I don't I think he won a dunk contest. I'm not sure, um, and he had some great dunks. But in comparison to Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant wasn't like some crazy athlete. Like he wasn't. Well, yeah, in, in comparison to that realm. Yeah, right. I know, well, I know in the comparison point, to, the, the, to the athletic right. freaks, yes. like Kobe Bryant was about footwork and understanding angles, and and he just had a ridiculous basketball IQ. And I didn't even necessarily love Kobe as a player, right? I, he was very selfish for a long period of time, and he wasn't necessarily efficient. But the point is that he accomplished a lot without the – he wasn't – like Vince Carter is the most crazy vertical athlete I've ever seen. And he scored a lot of points, but he wasn't, yep. I mean, he wasn't Luka Doncic in any way. And we have a tough time right. getting, figuring that out, that basketball, though it is a yep. game that requires a level of athleticism, um, it doesn't necessarily require freak athleticism in order to be great at it. Uh, it well, yeah, it requires uh, in- incredible processing speed. It inquire uh, dexterity, touch, hands, 
you know, all that kind of stuff. A mind for the game, as you said, basketball IQ. It's been interesting because obviously Carmelo, you know, recently uh, announced his, re- formally announced his retirement, you know, and obviously there's a lot of parallels with the number 15 in Denver and he and Jokic both wearing the same jersey number for the same franchise. And it, it's crazy because I say this all the time. Like, I mean, you know, what, what would you describe Carmelo's reputation as in the league? He's basically revered as a bucket getter, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That was his skill set. Well, Jokic shoots sixty three percent, man. Like that's not a bucket I, I, getter. I, I don't. If he is a bucket getter, <laughs> Jokic I don't know, gets a bucket every time he wants. Yeah, yeah. So that's where it comes in, and I, I don't want to in any way make this into you know a white thing because as you're saying, there are examples of non-white players that that, that are excellent in the same way. But there's this revere for certain physical qualities and a reverence for certain skill traits, even if you're inefficient. You know, I, I said this at the time, I loved Jamal Crawford as a player. One of my favorite players of the last 20 years to watch. I mean, what did he shoot for his career? 43, 44%? But he was, a, yeah, but he was a bucket. But he was a bucket. And that's the point, right? Could, he couldn't win at all as a starter. Right? All the, the, the best parts of his career were yeah. as a six man. And we can, you can say whatever you want about six man. But the fact is that one of the benefits is you're playing against backups. Yes. But yeah, for a significant chunk of minutes. But let, let, so let me bring this back to the Denver point that you made, which was sort of, oh, you know, Jokic isn't great defensively, although I've always argued he's better than he's given credit for. He's not a rim protector. He's a bad rim protector. Let's just get, let's just establish that Jokic cannot jump or protect the rim. He's very good in other aspects. He gets his hands on a lot of uh, deflections, steals. He's a great rebounder. He can move his feet in space. So anyway, whatever, whatever you want to evaluate him as. But this is the point, right, which is immediately we go to Denver's not really a great defensive team or Jokic isn't really a great defender. And all of those are actually true to some extent. Denver is a middle of the road defensive team that can spike and be pretty good when they're locked in. But overall, maybe they're 10th or 12th in the league or whatever it was. We are always looking for what people or teams cannot do at the expense of understanding the magnitude of what they can do. And Jokic, you know, when you hear like, oh, you know, he and Embiid are kind of the same offensively. No, they're not. (laughs) Like, stop. Okay. Embiid is an incredible individualist and Jokic makes everybody around him better. And they have like an unstoppable team offense that's not going to cave in in any series. Okay. They're just different offensive players. And it's the same thing with Denver. They're like, oh, that's a cute story, but you can't win the title if you're not great defensively. Well, you can if your offense is absurd and you're scoring 120 points per 100. And nobody can stop you. Like, what does it matter? Their net rating for the playoffs right now is like plus eight points something. They're killing everybody. Does it matter if Jokic isn't a great rim protector? That's the part, I think, that just gets overlooked. We are always looking for the weaknesses and trying to say, like, why somebody cannot be something. And in certain cases, we do not fully accept the magnitude of somebody's gifts. And I think that's been the problem with Jokic. And now you see national folks have tuned in, obviously, and they've watched this playoff run watched him uh, integrally, watched him in person more than they ever had, and people more and more like, I was wrong. I I totally underestimated this guy. This guy is unbelievable. And that's what the people in Denver have been saying for three years. You know, I I truly don't think it's that they underestimate him. I think it's that they didn't watch. I just just think that's the reality. Yeah, I think think that's been clear. Uh, People have admitted they haven't watched. Yeah. Uh, Barkley has said that... um, you know, he said, like, look, I don't even watch these games, right? And Barkley, who gets paid to do it, doesn't do it. 
like, <laughs> I, I honestly right. believe that's that's a real thing. The NBA regular season is hard to watch. Denver's it's a different deal. We haven't been trained to tune in to watch. And as much as basketball, people are like, man, this dude's been awesome for a long time. It's just a hard thing for people to admit that they don't watch. That's why they all like I, I he's way better than I thought. No, it's not. He's not way better. Than you didn't watch previously. Now you watch. You're like, OK, I get it. because if you watch you, this is the exact same shit he's been doing for three years. Well, I think he's gotten better. I mean, he's better now. Than well, yeah, he he's gotten in better shape. But, yeah, well, he's, he, that's another one. Right. So everybody's like, oh, he looks like he's winded. He's gasping for breath at the free throw line. Meanwhile, you watch the Lakers series. How far behind was was A.D. on every transition behind Jokic, who was pushing the ball 40 times a game? Right. He was killing Anthony Davis in transition. Anthony Davis is one of the most athletic bigs in the league. Right. So I think there's some of each, Doug. I, I, I think people didn't watch him, but I also think they don't understand fully what they were watching when they did watch. And now they're getting the full breadth of it because everything is lining up the winning, the dominance, the humbleness, the stats, the visuals on TV, you know, the crazy shots he hit a few times in the Lakers series, the step back threes at the buzzer. And everybody's just like, oh man, like I, I see it now. You know, so whether it was because mostly they weren't watching enough or whether they didn't fully appreciate the package because of some of the biases we were talking about previously, it's all come together. And, you know, I really hope just as a basketball story, I obviously support the Nuggets. I I would love this team to win. But as a basketball story, I think it would be great. I think it would be absolutely great for a team like this with a star like this to close the deal. Um, And people can say whatever they want about the seeding or the play in teams. Nobody was saying that Phoenix was a pushover when they were favored before that series. Nobody was saying that the Lakers were going to get swept when they were a small dog in that series and had a healthy AD in LeBron. Nobody was saying that the Nuggets were going to wipe the floor with Miami after Miami took out Milwaukee and Boston. So, you know, whatever. I mean, you said the regular season doesn't really matter. Seeding is sort of a, you know, a composite of that. Like the Lakers weren't a seven seed after the deadline. What were they? They were like 25 and eight or something. You know, like they were a good basketball team. So, you know, it doesn't matter. Flags fly forever. I hope Denver closes this out and gets the banner this team deserves. Who's the next team that we've been missing on? Ooh, that's a that's a good question. Man, you know, in terms of upside that will never maybe be realized, I keep looking at New Orleans. I, I don't know what they're supposed to do with the fact that, that, that Zion cannot stay healthy. Um, but man, they have a lot of pieces and a lot of talent down there that really, you know, when they're right, you know, that team I'm looking at, like, hmm, you know, that they're they're really darn good. I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody else. The, yeah. the Zion thing, though, they, I mean, they gotta. It all comes together if they have Zion, right? Which and I'm which I'm, just, skept, I'm skeptical. You know, like, yeah, and I'm I was, skeptical. I'm willing to go like, hey, Embiid kind of had different, right? Wasn't as diet related, but. We, we don't know, but Embiid kind of, and some, some of his was diet related, mm-hmm. but Embiid had a first couple of years where he kind of wandered around and, and seems to be kind of putting it together some, Yeah, but it's like you, you just, you have a little bit of window and it feels like this is the window for New Orleans uh, in the next year, maybe two, because Golden State's going to have to try, you know, they're going to try and get as much juice out of that orange as they can. Yep. Right? LeBron's yep. aged out. Dallas has got a, Dallas has not figured it out yet. Mm-hmm. I Denver's still going to be there, but they're still, you know, really dependent upon two guys. And you know, it's perfect now, but it's it it's hard. I I think New Orleans is one team. I'll tell you another team that I don't know if 
if Tibbs is the guy at the end of the day, mm-hmm. but if they can figure out how to move on from Randall and get somebody else, I, I do think there's something there with the Knicks. Yeah, I don't he, think they're that far away. No, I don't think they are. I mean, Brunson becoming who he was in the playoffs and last year too. I mean, obviously there were the games where they didn't have Luca, right? And Brunson showed out and everybody was like, oh, he could do it a couple of games. I don't know, man. I mean, everybody's raving about Miami and how they shut down Boston and how bad they made Milwaukee look. The one guy that they couldn't stop in the first three rounds of the playoffs was Jalen Brunson. That's why he was, he would be the guy who I would, if I'm not voting for Jokic, I would vote for Brunson to be MVP. He's another example. Go Like, I don't know if you've ever watched him courtside, non-explosive athlete, not terribly big, right? Mm -hmm. He's just a regular dude, but unbelievable unbelievable feel for how to where to go how to get his shot off yep when to do what footwork extraordinary extraordinary footwork yeah like you watch him like i i had no i have no possible ability i was really good at what i did and i could i wished i could be a chris paul right that's the Mm -hmm. that's the kind of model you know i was never a mid-range guy like you know it was more the dream would be more nash and Chris yeah. Paul style, right? I have no chance of playing the way that Jalen Brunson plays because he's so strong and so smart yep. and has such a great use, like you said, of footwork and balance. Mm-hmm. He's incredible. And again, I, I think there's like, there's some, like Mitchell Robinson. I really like, yeah. Um, like, I think there's some pieces there. Yeah. For the first time in a long while. I mean, I know the Knicks had that, you know, one to two seasons with Melo where they spiked and they won a playoff series, but that, that always felt a little bit fraudulent. It never felt like it was real, real. It was just kind of a nice thing. And then all of a sudden the three stopped, stopped dropping and they they fell off again. This is the first time I would say in probably 20 years that the Knicks and Knicks fans have a real reason to feel good about where their program's going. And again, I don't, you know, I, I look, I'm not, you know, going to comment on, on Teebs. He knows more about basketball than I could ever possibly know, but yeah, you, you do have to look at that. Like, you know, obviously he's had a lot of regular se- season success and he's had a, you know, a glass ceiling to this point in the playoffs with his approach. Um, but, you know, they were very close to taking this Miami team to seven. Very close. You know, had a chance to tie or win with 10 seconds left. And unfortunately, Brunson uh, turned the ball over. So, yeah, I agree with them. And, you know, I think uh, OKC is obviously sort of the, you know, the next uh, hipster team in waiting. But, like, they are loaded with good players. And I really like their coach as well. So if you're looking for a you know future potential a team that could really just jump right into the playoffs in the West next year, uh, I would look at the Thunder for sure. I, I agree. I'm, I'm fascinated to see what happens with, Ch- with Chet. Yeah. Um, uh, but they have a... a- uh, but a burgeoning, it's a burgeoning, burgeoning yeah. superstar with with uh, SAG, and then you know, look, the new rules make it so that he's, you know, that that, that new rules are designed specifically for this situation, right? Specifically for this situation because they tried with previous rules, give you an extra year to mm-hmm. keep a guy home, but now the 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 money is so great to stay with your current team. Well, what what is uh, what is the next step past burgeoning? Because I think that's where <laughs> I think that's where Shea is. I, I think we're kind of past burgeoning, but I, you know, it's like, uh, is there is there a, I, ste- I, is there a step between burgeoning, that. burgeoning and superstar? Because I think that's where <laughs> that's where he is. <laughs> no, I, I don't. I I don't think so. I, mean, I, t- I would. T- I mean, talk about talk about guys that people don't watch, though. I mean, nobody's tuning in to watch the Thunder the last two or three years, right? 
No, uh, but no. people and, that watch, and that's, that's part like, of it. And look, they gotta, they got <laughs> yeah. they gotta win more. They gotta. Yeah. It's it's a different sport when you play when you play real games. Yeah, of course, you know? games that matter. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but so, man, SGA is real, real good though. <laughs> really, really good. Oh, he's incredible. Yeah, he's, he's really he's, good. He's, he's that's incredible. one of my and, that's one of my biggest Knicks laments. I wanted them to draft him um, when he fell well, to twelve. I, well, but but part of it honestly is I'm not sure if it was um like he's not he's no longer a point guard right and coming out he was they everybody thought he was a really good point guard and obviously the clippers took him to develop him into a scoring point and you know early on once he got the ball playing with oklahoma city like the thing that was missing is he's not really a guy who sets other guys up like he can pass yeah but he's not a creator for other people that's not what he does and you know, because they brought in multiple ball handlers, guys that are willing passers, um, in a different way than Steph, mm-hmm. th- they they basically play him off the ball a lot so that he can just go do what he does, and they kind of figure it out around him. Yeah. And I, I think there's a, there's a certain genius to how they're coaching him and how they're using him and the personnel they've drafted so that he can not have to overthink getting other guys involved and just go play. Yeah, there, there's a... Uh... Going back to, I mean, a lot of people talk about Toronto the last few years, the switchability, the skill, you know, every guy is can handle, every guy can shoot, every guy can defend, and they're all 6'8 or whatever. Oklahoma City has a lot of that to them. You know, there's a lot of like non-traditional ways that they're using players, as you're saying, you know, SGA has evolved into an absolutely lethal scorer. I mean, what was he? 50 plus percent field goal, 90 percent free throw shooter, 31 a game this year. Um, yeah, so not a pure point in the way that, you know, you would have been, uh, you know, 20 years ago. Um, but just a devastatingly good player at this point and surrounded in the same way, you know, a little bit of Denver to it, right? Guys who like know their roles, guys who have specific skills that work together, good camaraderie, well coached. I, I enjoy watching Oklahoma city. I think they're going to surprise a lot of people when they hit the mainstream. Uh, last thing, let's go back to the finals. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do agree with you that Denver is the better team. And that I thought, and I, I hate the pick a series in number of games, but it's just really hard to conceptualize them losing at home because they're not only better, but it's just hard. It, that second game in altitude is a bitch. Like it just <laughs> is. You know, and they, they play, they play to it. They're smart about it. They, they get it. Um, is there an adjustment that you could see Miami making in game two and beyond that could could make this thing more interesting in short no um uh, because i think they're i think their defensive problems are too profound i think they're they're just way too small the one thing that a lot of people do not talk about with this denver team is how big the nuggets are i mean you know mpj is a small forward at 610 aaron gordon is just huge he's jacked i mean what is he six eight six nine um, you know, Jokic is massive. You know, they've got other guys with some length um, and athleticism. And it was just profoundly obvious. I mean, that was my fear going into the series was, you know, Miami had to find a way to slow down Denver's offense to the point where their three-point shooting could keep them in it. And that doesn't mean they can't be one game where Miami doesn't shoot well or Denver is a little clunky. I, you know, I'm not disregarding the heat completely, but 
the gap is huge because Miami physically cannot handle this team. They cannot play with only Bam out there and defend this team. And if they start playing with two bigs, that probably compromises their offense to an extent that they just can't close the gap. So, yeah, I think you could see one or two games where Miami shoots really well and plays well. They're a good team, really well coached, obviously. Spo, arguably the best in the league. Um, but I just think the physical problem that they face is just too big and you said the altitude the home court advantage and Jokic being the best player in the world I, I'm just I, I don't see a way this goes past six and if it's four I wouldn't be shocked and it's awesome uh, Chasing Perfection is the book you can pick it up at Amazon.com wherever you you, you you read or download books or listen to it on uh, on uh, audio, audio conversations um, I appreciate you joining me. I was thinking of you watching. You were ahead of it a long time ago, and I want to make sure you got the credit you deserve. Appreciate it, bud. Good catching up with you. All right, that's it for this edition of All Ball. Reminder, the Doug Gottlieb Show is daily, 3 to 5 Eastern time. Plus, plus we have the In the Bonus podcast, which is awesome. It's a lot of fun. Totally off the cuff. Say what you want. Do what you want. Um, it's a one hour daily pod that goes in concert with the radio show. You can download that on the iHeartRadio app. Uh, more discussion on the NBA finals to come. Plus, we'll talk some NBA draft. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. 